close my eyes, we looked up while I spin Counting sheep, stayed up late, it was early in the morning that night I'm alone with several friends, it was dark by the light I had two men in my head, can't feel my feet, was it twelve? I feel so good, I'm in pain, this is heaven, man, this is hell I did it again, I'm as drunk as Jake Welcome to Top Hill Recording Podcast, Episode 7. I'm back here again with Neil tonight. Hey, How buddy. you doing, Neil? Hey, man. How are you? I'm good. See, we got a bottle you brought in with us tonight. What do you have? little I.W. Harper. I.W. Harper. Tell me a little bit about it. All right. So I, was, I looked up I.W. Harper. Been around since 1870s. You know, one thing it said that it was uh, pretty interesting. During Prohibition, they made prescription whiskey. <laughs> really? <laughs> so they were even making bourbon during Prohibition. It says it's a blend of bourbon aged between 14 and 20 years at the Stitzel Weller Warehouse. You know where Stitzel Weller is? I do. Shively, lively, shively, Kentucky. Lively, shively. Right here, not too far from us. Did so, you hear how good that pour sounded? Yeah, it doop, did. Doop, doop, yeah, doop. I did hear that. Excellent. That's always <laughs> the first pour out of a long neck bottle always has a good sound. Yeah, Awesome. Cheers. Cheers, man. So, kind of a different sound and setup in this room tonight, huh? Yeah. As you know, we uh, took the next step in the recording studio, put down a floor, took out the carpet, took out the pad, and I, with a pair of pliers, must have removed <laughs> 4,000 carpet pad staples. <laughs> Has your forearm recovered yet? Yeah, has a little sore. Did that and got it all prepped and then you came down and, and helped me uh, lay the laminate floor. And I can finally start to feel my legs again today. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know, like once you really hit a certain age, it really, it really takes effect on your body, doesn't it? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's real. <laughs> I made about 400 trips up and down the stairs. Yeah, you hit uh, about 47,000 steps that day. Literally steps, <laughs> steps as in stairs, yes. We had the uh, the saw set up in the garage, which is downstairs. Uh, so I was the person cutting the laminate, and Neil laid the laminate, and we're ready to go. Put in The next step's going to be to put in the sliding glass doors, which a lot of people are going to... Uh, not like the idea of having sliding glass doors in a recording studio, but I thought that was the easiest, best way to, to get in and out of the control room. We're definitely going to squeeze that thing in there one way or the other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I cut the frame for the door from the subfloor and was going to put it in before the laminate just to try to make sure we didn't get any squeaks or anything like that, but then I changed my mind, so we have about an eighth of an inch to work with to get the door in there, so hopefully uh, they measured that door very precisely <laughs> at, the, at the factory. It's going to be perfect. <laughs> but, you know, you're definitely right. You can, you can hear the change in acoustics in here already. Oh, yeah. It's going to be a pretty big sound on the other side of that wall. Yeah. I'm yeah. being interested to hear what it's going to sound like with that door in. It's going to change the dynamic again. Every time we, you know, you create a dynamic and you change something, it's going to, who knows? We'll definitely have to do some sound dampening. 
I've been reading a lot about that, you know, as from what I can tell. You know, again, people are going to have to pardon me for my ignorance here. I'm just a, a novice learning how to build a recording studio. But you have uh, acoustic panels, you know, made to dampen the sound. And then you have diffusers. And then you have uh, bass traps. It seems like those are the, are the three. And, man, I tell you what, you can read some of the articles you read. They get they get into acoustic theory and the physics of sound and have you calculating square footage and height and the way the sound waves will, will travel. And then, you know, others you get on, they're like, hey, do this and this and get it the best you can. No recording studio in the world's perfect. Is it a – you can definitely overthink it, right? Oh, Yeah. And even what you use for for uh, acoustic panels or for sound dampening, you know, you uh, I know a lot of people use foam, and then, you know, and then you'll hear people say, uh, and when you're reading it, it's a lot of people say foam doesn't help with the low frequencies. What's I it do? It, it leaves the low end. Yeah, yeah, I don't think it absorbs the low frequencies very well. I mean, they do mm. make the bass traps, those thick pyramids, foam pyramids you've seen, but. Uh, I think I'm gonna go with the acoustic panels, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be asking you to help me uh, it, <laughs> help man. me build some of those. I, I've, I've uh, once you mentioned it, I've already looked it up. We can do it pretty good. Oh, It'll yeah. be easy. We can do it. Yeah, I mean, it looks like you know. Are you going with probably the, eighteen or twenty dollars per panel? Are you going with the twenty four? Twenty four inch. Well, it's or, called the twenty twenty fours, but oh, it's uh, the twenty four by forty eight. Uh yeah, uh, so you yeah, don't have to cut. I haven't really looked into it. Rockwool, that's mm-hmm. what I read a lot yeah, about. Yeah, the the standard seems to be Rockwool twenty four, which is twenty four inches by forty eight. So it's yeah, that'd be perfect. You you just build the thing. You don't make a cut on any of the Rockwool. It comes in uh, six pieces for like fifty two dollars. So yeah. we can build six panels, and one of them is two inch. I think that's what you'd want. There's yeah. one inch and two inch. I think if you go two inch. Uh, and do the 24 by uh, 48, build that out, and get whatever speaker fabric you want. That's I think that's what they basically say, put a fibrous... Uh, Something sound can come through. Yes. They're, they're pretty inexpensive to build. We could do that pretty yeah. cheap. Then you just hang it like a picture, right? Yeah. I have a Lowe's gift card that could cover most of the cost of one of those. We, <laughs> all we got to do is buy the wood. We're ready to roll. Do you have wood laying around here somewhere? No, I, I I thought I would get like um, one by twos or something. Yeah, some of those have the rounded edges, you know, uh, yeah. make it look a little better. The recording space out there that we're looking into now is about well, this whole room's eleven feet wide. Of course, like most homes, we have eight foot ceilings, and then I think that side is, uh, if I remember correctly, is fourteen feet long. So it's about eleven by fourteen. If we put thinking maybe six acoustic panels in the wall and you know i'm not sure how many on the ceiling whether just two or whether it would be four you know i think probably just as we hang these up you know maybe put one on each wall see what it sounds like you know then do you you need more put two on each wall complete trial and error man yeah do the do the screen test shout test clap test you know see see what it sounds like and Mm -hmm. then in here this would be the control room and you know, do the same thing in here. Which you had a bummer, man. We're supposed to be playing with your new controls right now. Yeah, I know it. So that's the first time that's ever happened to me with Amazon. I, I didn't know what was going on. Said uh, said it was undeliverable, and they had to send send it back. 
but I had a, uh, I decided to go with, uh, how do you say that? Is it pre-sonus or pre-sonus? Yeah. <laughs> Let's decide what we're going to call it. I would say pre- I always say pre-sonus. I say pre-sonus, too, so that must be right. We just decided it's pre-sonus. It looks like a hard O, man. There's a U uh, following it, isn't that right? Yeah, okay. pre-sonus. All right, good. But, but then, you know, you think sonic, so I don't know if maybe it's pre-sonus. Don't don't make me don't don't make me question it now. Go with it. Presonus. <laughs> we'll go with the Studio 192 audio interface. You know, it gets a lot of really good reviews and zero um, latency on the monitor monitoring, which is yeah. so key when it comes to recording in the studio, which we currently don't have right now. We there's a lot of latency <laughs> when we have any type of monitor on. Yeah. So we can't even listen to it with monitor on because of that. So now. That creates a different dynamic even for this. It'll be really nice. I'm sure I'll have a, a lot more to learn with that, but we'll have a we have a lot more options open too. You know, it's uh Well, here's what here's what I thought about today. Here's a, a brainstorm idea. So when we get this thing set up, we'll probably have the door in. And we'll have a we can have a setup in that room, right? Just if it's two two mics like this, just condenser mics. And we have a podcast where we talk, and at the end of it, say it's if Spencer comes up and does a podcast with us, at, at the end of it, me and him can go over, you can do this, and we'll go play a song, an original, okay, on acoustic guitars in that room. And we should be able to play it live because we'll have the access to these, all the setups. We can run what we would need, five or six channels for that. You'll have the access, the capabilities to do it. Yeah, yeah, we can mess around. and Yeah. Place mics different places, yeah. and you know you could probably sit in that room right now with an acoustic guitar oh, and it'd sound great. I bet it would. Yeah, I bet it would sound crazy. See what happens. I tell you what, man. Yeah, speaking of what happens, um, it's been interesting to kind of see the interest that we've had in the podcast. Yeah, it has. <laughs> it's been surprising. Uh, yeah, yeah, and uh, it's, pleasant it seems surprise with the release of each episode, which we've published five episodes now correct four 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 episodes fifth will be this friday okay so we've got a little uh, a little cushion now which is nice you yeah. know we're not trying to record and and get ready to publish all in a few days you know from monday to friday so we have a, a little cushion now yeah, especially, yeah uh, especially when it comes that we and the reason we do that not only because it's fun to have these podcasts and if it, there's a reason to do it we do it but to give you some time to edit because it, this doesn't just happen there's a little bit of editing process to most of it to cut out the uhs and the dead air <laughs> that thankfully nobody has to listen to but you <laughs> i don't do that much though that's uh it, there's, there's not much of that to cut out now you know i gotta say we're getting a little better getting, we already. might be but i tell you what the 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 fifth episode with toy i'm sure you had to do some major <laughs> which is coming out uh, this this week but yeah man well the uh <laughs> The hour and a half or so of recording and drinking Big House bourbon, you know, might have contributed to that a little bit. We had a, we we did a little bit more on that episode than sip bourbon. Yeah, I would say so. <laughs> that was fun. Look, you know, by the time this comes out, uh, that will have been published, and it was fun to get in here and and, and hear about Toy and, uh, you know, make connections with what you guys had, and you know, I think from that we're gonna have, well, we're finally gonna get V in here, correct? Yeah, man, it's uh, that's been a cool part of it too, is is reconnecting with with people that, you know, I haven't talked to V in twenty years. 
you know, you and I had the, well, you challenged Toy and I to reach out and get a hold of him. And I was at the house the other day and I just thought about it and I was like, oh yeah, I said I'd do that. So I guess I have to. So I did. I, I was on, uh, yeah, anytime I'm on Facebook, it's through Kim's app because I don't have Facebook, but I had a musician page at one point and it's still on there. And I, and she was an admin, so I can use hers, her, uh, phone or whatever and, and and go through that so I was on there and I saw V and I was like I don't really know any other way to get a hold of him so I sent him a message and <laughs> we started just chit chatting back and forth he was pretty much on there shortly after I messaged and um, yeah he's like that sounds really really cool you know and, and basically I told him what I believe was the same thing Toy told him. is, hey, man, you've come up in this podcast a lot. Believe us when we tell you, you've had an impact on a lot of people's lives around you, and in particularly mine and Toy's. So it was really cool to, to have that conversation. It was also really disappointing at the same time, man. I found out some pretty uh, sad, devastating news. Um, Kyle. Morgan, one of the guys I talked about, Colin Brent mm-hmm. West, yeah. uh, who had these minds that think differently. In the first episode, I believe, is when we originally were talking about him. He uh, he is no longer with us, man. He passed away, so that was really devastating mm-hmm. to yeah. find out. And it's been it's been over a year, so to not know is awful because I I would have uh, I hate thinking that Steve was. I just can't imagine. Yeah. Twin brother yeah. and devastation, and uh, you just don't know how long people are going to be on this earth, man. You know, yeah. I've had a, an, another friend this year go through something that was absolutely life-threatening and uh, didn't know or think or have any clue if he was going to make it. So it's just been a weird year uh, with that and to find out that news and kind of reconnect with V, but also lose somebody that at, at times throughout – my life in music and just life in general, I had come in and out of contact with. Kyle and I were always the type of people that when we talked, we were close. We didn't have to talk all the time, but any time we talked, it felt like we were how how it always was. And, and maybe that was just Kyle. You know, I think some people have a gift of that. Definitely too young to be gone. Too young to be gone, man. Yeah. And, and uh, it makes you makes you hurt for people and it makes you wish you stayed a little bit more connected over the years to, to people that you've lost that to. But, you know, it's it's awful. It sucks. You were able to reconnect with V. and it, it, So it sounds like you and Toy, after that episode, both you guys must have contacted me through Facebook, like within a few days of each mm-hmm. other. Because yeah. uh, Toy also sent us a message, you know, saying V's in. And so we need to go go ahead and schedule that. It's been fun. You know, I haven't talked to anybody, anybody that's come to mind that I thought would be good to uh, come on this podcast and be someone interesting that people would like to listen to. They're all game. They're like, yeah, that sounds like fun, you know? <laughs> yeah, I, didn't, I thought it'd be hard. I thought we'd have to, you know, twist arms and like, yeah. you remember that time? I know a story about you. I'm, I, I can say it on there or you can just, <laughs> I will never say it if you just come in and talk. No, I'm just kidding. That doesn't happen. But yeah, man, it's been cool to uh, get the support. You know, you, uh, I mean, you think about that. So that was mid-December when you, now when did you come down here to show us your guitar and, and, and to uh, play that in was, a recording studio on A Different Life for Me? 
I think that was before. Was that October? It was either late October, early November, because it was before Thanksgiving. So that's where you planted the seed about some type of podcast. You mm-hmm. know, when you were talking that night, it, it was more like, I think you were thinking more like a short-term podcast, just uh, what it ta- what goes into recording a song. I don't know. I was really more thinking how to build a, build songs. Like, okay. What, what was weird is I think that my what I, what I said and what you were thinking were different, but it ended up being different than both what both of us thought it was going to be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> what did you originally think that I was saying? I thought you were wanting to come in and get some musicians together, talk about how the song developed, record the song, and just talk about the whole process from songwriting to recording to publishing the song. Mm-hmm. You know, we kind of came together and, and, and did that first podcast. Well, you know, even before that, I after you left then, I just would just pop in my mind from time to time, you know, it sounded pretty cool to, to do a podcast. So then I think I texted you while you were at work, you know, been thinking about that podcast mm-hmm. or something, you know, well, let's get together and talk about it. Yeah. And, uh, I mean, I just started, like I do with everything now, I want to learn more about it. I just started Googling how to start a podcast, you know. And it's like, oh, crap, it's not that hard to start. We could actually start this pretty easily. Yeah, so, and, and you know what's funny? I mean, we haven't we haven't spent a dime. No? Not you outside know? what we already, you know, you already yeah. had the mics. Yeah, no. I mean, we went, you know, I, I did a little bit of uh, uh, research and, and came across Anchor. And Anchor's free host site for podcasting and got pretty good reviews, so... You can record a full podcast and publish it and everything from your cell phone on their app. Mm-hmm. Uh, but of course, we use the uh, we come in here and use the audio audio interface and and some better mics and things. And then obviously you have on a, on a cell phone. And then I yeah. and then I upload it to Anchor and they provide analytics from all the you know all the platforms that we're on now. Which we will post. We need to post all those because we get a lot of that question. Hey, so what all can we find you on? Yeah. My answer is always uh, Spotify or like Apple or something. (laughs) (laughs) It's on just about everything now. I mean, Mm -hmm. even the platforms that come up that are not supported by Anchor, you go out there and you look for the podcast, it's on there now. So I I think now if somebody wants to listen to our podcast and they they go search Top Hill Recording Podcast, it's going to come up on on about all the platforms, which is pretty cool. The one that we're still still waiting on, we got a, a pretty fast response from everybody. I don't know how that works, but you, you have an RSS feed. I don't know what RSS stands for, but you have an RSS feed, and you know I would submit that to to the different platforms, and most got back within a day. You know, I think with uh, Apple Podcasts, but this was over over you know holiday season too, so that probably impacted things. But Apple Podcasts took two or three days. Uh, the only one that we're still waiting to hear from is iHeartRadio. Man, forget iHeartRadio. <laughs> I don't like them right now. They just got rid of everybody on 790. Mike Rutherford and all those guys just got fired. Paul yeah. Rogers just got fired. Come on, man. Get out of here. I don't want iHeartRadio. We can do without <laughs> Okay. Don't, don't hashtag that. <laughs> My goodness. So we, uh, <laughs> we, we put out the first podcast. Uh, people seem to enjoy it. We we asked for feedback and kind of ex- decided to expand a little bit. I, I would describe this podcast as all things music, you know, and bourbon. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that was something that just kind of happened. We, uh, you know, I don't know, maybe we felt like we needed a little uh, a little crutch that first night and had a little bourbon, but yeah. we talked about it briefly, and, and it came up in a lot of conversations with a lot of people. So now that's part of the Top Hill Recording yeah. Podcast, bourbon. Yeah, so that when, when you're like, man, we don't have, we haven't spent any money for this part. I'm thinking, well... Except for bourbon. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's true. That's it. <laughs> I'm ahead of where people are, you and I, because we've heard everything that we've done so far, and we're a couple podcasts ahead of the listener. So we just published. We just published four. We're four. getting ready to publish five, and we have another one with Roger Higdon. And this is seven. This is going to be seven. So if yeah. you're a listener, you will have heard all these by now. But, man— I've been kind of humbled by their, the attitude of Roger and Toy and your dad. I don't know. I guess I just, it, it took me so long to get it on the level that they seem to have been getting it on for a long time. So it's, to listen to it, it's like, man, it seems so much more enjoyable that way. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because I got, I really got to thinking about watching Ode to the New. You know, it was hard for me to watch you guys. Is that right? It was. And and I realize now that probably a lot of that was, I hated watching Toy have fun without me. And, and I hated <laughs> not being able to uh, play with you guys because you live right down the street and y'all practiced right down the road. And But I do think that, that at times it really was hard for me because I remember Toy saying, you know, I never had a problem watching my friends. Well, I did. I definitely did. There's even a jealousy factor there, watching Friends, which is, I mean, I don't think it's crazy. I think it's a part of things, but I think with, especially with uh, you guys, I, I always had fun, and I did enjoy it when I went, but it was hard for me to go because of, I think, of how Toy and I played out with our music relationship and, uh, you know, kind of feeling like I was missing out. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I think that... Well, you were. We had a hell of a time. Yeah, I, could, I could tell. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, man, I think that that was that's I've, I've I've learned that stuff about myself. It took those conversations for myself to actually question it and be honest and be like, yeah, I probably yeah, it makes more sense to look at it that way than just be like, oh, I couldn't make it or this or that. No. So did uh. I don't want to say did it help because then it sounds like you're in therapy or something. Which you know, this is therapeutic. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> but, so, so I mean, like, uh, did talking through that on this podcast, you know, because I'm thinking right now you're, you're talking about toy and, and you know we had toy on here. He he kind of hinted to some things. You know, he talked about that song he wrote, and you know he shared some things about that song that this that was the first time he had ever told or spoke of that mm-hmm. on this podcast. And you know, mm-hmm. I felt like. I felt like on a few of those podcasts, as you got to talking, you started talking through those old feelings or old old thoughts or old mindsets you had that, that, that you didn't want to have and that you were glad you got rid of. And, you know, that's kind of how we came up on, on episode three. I thought, you mm-hmm. know, because I'm sure you're not the only person out there yeah. <laughs> that's that's ever felt that way and, you know, had some uh, jealousy or... You know, just uh, wish things were going a little, a little bit differently, and, yeah. and it ended up it ended up being a, a popular podcast, and you know, a lot of people related to it. The conversations have helped a lot, 
Number one, from my perspective and peace of mind and, and uh, with like Roger and, and, and how infectious he is with his attitude towards loving, seeing other people. And Do you remember the first podcast much? Yeah. So the first podcast we came on, that's, that's where we kind of talked through your development or, you know, how music played out in your life. And when I went back and was editing that podcast... You know, I thought, this is pretty interesting, and it kind of leads to stories. And, you know, it, I could tell it led to things that you probably hadn't thought about in a while. You know, that's where I, I had the idea, and you've probably noticed since then. And, you know, we've kind of laughed about the different way our, our minds work. But I started every, <laughs> you know, every time we have a guest on, I start that way. You yeah. know, it's kind of, you know, tell us about basically your your earliest memories with music or when you knew it was important to you, and that came from that that first podcast and it's led into some good conversation for sure then you know then we went on and decided we were going to have dad on and that was uh that, that brought out a, a lot of stories and <laughs> you know and, and and you mentioned it is that a lot of those stories i mean i knew the big picture story mm-hmm. of of dad and music but i'd never had sat down and really listened to to how things panned out and and the whole path and since then he's he's talked and he's got a lot that we didn't even hit on you know? yeah well, you can't have conversations with people anymore have you noticed that <laughs> <laughs> hey don't tell me to save it like come on the podcast yeah. <laughs> even you know we uh i got over here and, and you guys were having dinner <laughs> so i got me a bowl of deer chili which was amazing and uh yeah we, we did that at the table Shh. Don't yeah. talk about it. We'll talk it about is. it upstairs. Don't, don't talk about it now. Well, you know, you don't want to, you don't want to talk about something and then have to repeat it and try to try to play out the same uh, feelings again and emotion and inflections and things. Yeah. you know, it doesn't seem as authentic. Yeah, you can't make it as authentic for sure. But so when we were we were having Dad up, and you know, I looked into uh, some of the old bands and things that he was in, and that was the first time I really came across or really read anything about. The rich history in Lebanon, Kentucky. That's crazy. Were, were you aware of all that? No, and the crazy part is I've had conversations about it on multiple occasions since then. And just pulling up the wiki page of Lebanon, Kentucky, and going down to the bottom and looking at that, there's there's that one paragraph, and maybe two. In the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, Lebanon was known as an entertainment hotspot, and then yeah. just listing. Just insane to me. To think that that was even possible. And, you know, I kind of get nostalgic over that Colonial Hill thing that's going on right now. Once that's redone, I don't know what they're going to— Colonial Gardens? Yeah, Colonial Gardens. I don't know what they're going to do with that. But I hope it is like a a hot little nightclub or something like that like it used to be because I think that little area of town is a cool little spot that people would make that a little popular place because I know the the Takaluch store and all that stuff right there is really good. Hopefully it survives, but just hearing the stories of, of that building and, you know, knowing the Broken Arrow band and and Roger and hearing those guys talk about it, it brings back those memories and that nostalgia. I really want to see it thrive yeah. like that yeah. again. I think that it's just going to be restaurants, but I don't know. Probably, but it would be cool if it was, you know, at least at night there was bands in that one original building. Both the taco place and the pizza place, they're both big enough to have one That's or two man people in. Big, you know? Yeah. I listened to a podcast 
Uh, well, I was walking on the treadmill the other day, and we need some type of uh, professional intro. Yeah. Top Hill Recording Podcast is recorded in Fairdale, Kentucky, you know, with some background music playing. <laughs> yeah, there you go. <laughs> I'll do the music. You do that thing right there that you just did. <laughs> yeah, so, so we, need, we need to work on that. Oh, so the, the, another cool thing that I'm trying to talk you into is the, is once we get all these guys in here for about the next six months is having a, a little jam session. But think about this, man. We could get V to lay down the drums for the intro, get Sharp in here with his harp. Oh, my gosh. I'll play a little bit of guitar, get your dad in here if his, his left arm can function enough to play a little bass line. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was going to try the bass today. Yeah, I hope it went well. You know, we talked in episode two about my dad having full shoulder replacement, and he got his sling off last week, and today was the first day he was going to uh, try to play his bass again, but it, oh, it's going well. Just a slinging. He looks like a new man, you know. He was living for so long with uh, severe pain, mm-hmm. just always, you know, that, that wears you down. So he's, he's, he's like a new a man. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he's <laughs> like a new man. Tell you what, man, living in pain, that would be, that's no, no bueno. You know, we talked about laying the... Uh, laying the floor the other day and while we were working on the floor you were playing some music on the on the bluetooth speaker from your phone you know pretty cool it's first time i'd heard who were we listening to well we did a little bit of marcus king band which is just beautiful beautiful blues jazz southern rock mix yeah um i think he's really the new stevie ray uh, i really do i think he's stevie ray vaughn you can tell he's been influenced by jazz, though. It's, yes. It's very cool vibe. A lot of horns, a lot yeah. of just smart, smart, cool stuff. And then we did some Billy Strings, which those guys are buddies anyway. Pretty bluegrass, bluegrass adelic. If you listen to some of his stuff, straight bluegrass. His newer stuff's kind of like a psychedelic bluegrassy. Really, really good. Amazing. Two of the best players, two of the best guitar players out there by far. I mean, it ain't even close. They're amazing. Spencer and I went, he actually had tickets and took me to see Marcus King Band at uh, Mercury Ballroom. And we had the VIP passes, which we got there at like 4 o'clock, got in the building, got to watch sound check, us and probably 20 other people. They probably played five, six songs. Unbelievable. Then we got to meet them, go up and say hi, get our pictures taken. Great, great, really nice people. Where is he from? Uh, I believe he's from Carolina, South Carolina, North Carolina. I'm not 100% sure, but phenomenal, phenomenal guitar player. Great show. And I really wanted to go see Billy Strings. He's coming to Headliners or somewhere. But those tickets sold out in about 15 minutes. Oh, is that and, right? Yeah. yeah. They're about 100 bucks a piece now, and I think they were originally about 20 bucks. So I'll catch them on the flip side. <laughs> <laughs> so who, uh, other than those two guys, who are you listening to now? Um, well, the, the band I talked about last last week, Mojo Thunder. I listen mm-hmm. to a lot of their stuff right now. They're, I just love what they do. Phenomenal show to watch, great band to go see, entertaining, and and they they sound like what they sound like. You listen to them on a record, they sound like that live, and that's important to me. I don't like fake studio stuff, which 
I don't ever see you doing here. You're not going to auto-tune. You're not going to do that. You're, it is what it is. Really, in heavy, heavy rotation, those are the three main things I'm listening to at the moment. Um, but I go on weird music tangents. I'll go one album like crazy or one, three songs uh, over and over and over and over and over again until I can't listen to them anymore. And then I'll just listen to podcasts or something else until I find the song. So uh, what are you breaking them down, analyzing them? Why, why do you do that? I have no idea. Okay. I have no idea. I think I just get locked into a vibe or something. Uh, like the Punch Brothers. Punch Brothers are another amazing bluegrass group that <clears throat> that have a lot of other things that they do that are, oh gosh, just bluegrass type of, I don't even know what to call it. But four of the best musicians you've ever heard or seen in your life. Sounds like you're listening to a lot of bluegrass right now, or is that? Nah, it's just always kind of been in there somewhere. Uh, just like the Galoots, we talked about the Galoots and Steve Cooley and Shannon Lawson and and um, you know those guys and how much of an influence that was on me. How important it was for me to see that as I was being really influenced as a player, as a guitar player coming up, for many reasons. One because it showed me that you could play. They they covered some cool songs. You know, not just bluegrass stuff, but they would do some stuff that was different, like Moon Dance and Let's Get It On by Marvin Gaye. And uh, they would just do really cool stuff in a bluegrass band. And Shannon could sing like a bird. Steve and all those guys could play out of their minds. And it was just amazing and entertaining, which they're now hog operation. So I got a band. I have a band for you. I don't know if you're familiar with them or not, but I I was just introduced to this band, Lake Street Dive. You heard of Lake Street Dive? I have heard of them. I don't know if I've heard their music. You need to check them out. I think you'll like them. Uh, Lake Street Dive. Cool. You know, I don't know how you would describe their sound. I've got a female bass player, upright bass. Oh, that's cool. Female singer, lead guitarist that, you know, when he's not playing the guitar, he pulls out the trumpet. Oh. Yeah, it's a, just a, a really cool band, cool vibe. Lake Street Dive. Unbe- unbelievable vocals. It's kind of got a, a little bit of a, of a jazz feel to it, maybe even swing, uh, kind of poppy swing, but jazz. But it's uh, they're, they're cool. Lake right. Street Dive. You ought so, to, to check them out. All right, let me ask you. I don't know if you've been asked. So when did you know that music was important to you? Is it? Is it like this deep running seed that you have? You know, early on, I mean, I just remember, I think uh, we mentioned it briefly early on. I remember hearing music all the time. You know, it would always be playing in the house. You know, parents had one of those big console stereos, you know what I'm talking mm-hmm. about? With floor, a record player? Floor, yeah, with a, <laughs> with a record player and stereo. And, you know, it was a big piece of furniture, you know, six uh-huh. feet, six feet long and Speakers built in. I particularly remember, you know, Sunday nights. Uh, they bowled on Sunday nights for years, and you know, when when they're getting ready to go out and and go bowling, we would listen to uh, just music all the time, you know. And I, I remember, you know, their favorites. You know, we'd always hear Wilson Pickett. I mm-hmm. think it was Wilson Pickett's greatest hits. <laughs> Peter Frampton Live. That was another one <laughs> they listened to one. all the time. And then uh, I'm not going to be able to think of the guy's name right now. I, I, I learned recently it's Nora Jones's father. 
Raggy Shankar or something oh, like Robbie that. Robbie Shankar. Yeah, yeah, Robbie Shankar. Yeah, Robbie Shankar. <laughs> they, they put that in sometimes, you know, uh, uh, very, very diverse. Uh, wow. Otis Redding, you know, oh, I, I think it's sad, sad. it seems like a lot of Motown. My parents were big Motown. Motown fans, you know, so I, I still. It's classic albums right there. I still love to listen to Motown, you know, that's uh, just, just from, we heard that a lot growing up. Uh, I've, I've seen what happens to your body when Motown comes on, man. You can't help yourself. You got that. I've seen it. <laughs> yeah, there's certain songs, you know, certain songs that just uh, you can't help but bop your head, and a lot of them are Motown songs. Well, you know, the second episode when Dad was on, he talked about how his parents bought him the trumpet. Mm-hmm. Well, I that same trumpet I played started in elementary school. I'm not sure what grade and went into middle school and... You know, I, I took some lessons on the trumpet for a while. Eighth grade, first chair, middle school, all state band. Really? You know, yeah. Matter of fact, I have a 12 inch vinyl downstairs. Which I just saw this yeah. week for the first time yeah. when Coach T was here touring the place. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so played a solo at the fairgrounds, you know, uh, during that during that concert. And it's on that record. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. You know, That's then, cool. then went to high school and. Um, I got into wrestling pretty heavily and just got to the point where, you know, I had to make a choice and uh, I I decided I was going to I was going to wrestle and just put down the trumpet and didn't didn't play it for a long time. I've played it here and there and in uh band rehearsals, but I've never uh, got to the point where I felt confident oh, man, playing it out. You got to break it out. Yeah. You got to do like a scrum so, that zipper song or something like that. <laughs> Funny, I mean, the trumpet is something you have to get in shape for. I mean, oh. your your lips actually have to be in shape to play trumpet. If you, anybody that's played uh, uh, an instrument like that knows what I'm talking about. But oh, if you haven't, imagine. you can't just get a trumpet out and, you know. Really? Yeah, I mean, you, you play a trumpet. If I go and get that trumpet out now and I play it for 30 seconds, my lips are gone. I can't even make a, <laughs> I can't even make a note anymore, you know. It, it takes a... It takes some practice uh, to get that back. It really does. Yeah. That's crazy. So it probably does sound crazy, but, it is but crazy. anybody out there that's ever played trumpet, I've trombone, played, you know, yeah. anything I've like never that? Played like, brass. Yeah, yeah. I have no clue. So then, you know, I uh, I didn't uh, I didn't play another instrument until I started playing the guitar. So when at this time, once you stopped playing, was your dad playing in bands when you were in high school? No. So you just, no. Well, that was when he was. So he, yeah, he did that. Uh, he did that early on, and then he just stopped for a while. I think so. Yeah. Roger talked about it last week. It's in it, it's in your soul. You can give it up for years, but You're never going. It's never going to leave it's you. Never yeah. going to leave you. And once you pick it back up, that's when you go. Oh yeah, that's what I was missing. <laughs> it makes sense. I mean, it's there's times I've been through those spells too. But you talk about being right. That's when you have it back in your life. It's like, man, okay, I get it. Toy even spoke to that without speaking to it. I would like to have whatever, I say I'd like to have it, but I wouldn't like to have it or I would just do it. But, you know, there's something in, <laughs> there's something in you and there's something in Roger that make you want to play the guitar all the time. I haven't picked my guitar up since I, since I recorded that last song. Yeah. I just don't, I don't play it. You know, and it's like uh, I'll tell my wife all the time, I'll hear somebody just playing crazy, and I'm like, man, if I could play like that, I'd play all the time. I'd give anything to be able to do that. And I think to myself, no, I wouldn't. I'd just practice. <laughs> I would do it. <laughs> so I don't really want now, to. Now you sound like toy. <laughs> now I see why y'all's band is love having a good time. I was not doing any practice. But what's weird, yeah. is, what's weird is uh, I have fun doing it. I mean, 
So I don't know why I don't play more often. I, I mean, I, I don't know. It's just not. Well, because there's always something else. I've never heard it said how Roger said it last, last week is my play guitar is, is somebody else's read a book. Mm-hmm. That made so much sense to me because there's a million things I read, and I have other interests. And that's probably to my detriment as a guitar player that I love so many other things, including technology and computers and, and digging into, you know, recording gear and microphones and things like that and trying to figure out why a microphone costs $3,000 and going, why in the world does it sound better than this one right here? So I just thought, I just learned something else. Oh, what? That mic we've been talking about, why is that microphone worth Three thousand to thirty-five hundred dollars. Whatever you tell me right now better be worth so, like two thousand dollars in knowledge. So I watched the video, uh-huh. and first we got to learn how to say the name of that microphone right. It's not a Newman; it's oh. a Neumann. No, it's a Newman to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they were saying it took me forever to figure Neumann. out what they were saying. But they were saying Neumann. It's N E U M A N N, but apparently it's pronounced Neumann. All right, Neumann. Because I double-checked it with another video. U87, And that guy right? was saying Neumann, yeah. U87. Yeah. So why is it better? Because the name's Neumann, not Newman? It's, it, it's fancy because it's, it's uh, you it say it weird. It better make me sound like Steve Perry. I mean, seriously, dude. I, I, I better not stop believing or whatever after I hear it. Because <laughs> <laughs> I just don't see how in the world... If it makes me sound more like me, I might pay less. Give me a Sure 58, SM58, man. Let's call it a day. <laughs> might make me sound better. We might need a little of that bar of roughness. Yeah, no kidding, man. <laughs> That's the most mind-blowing thing is when you get into researching any of this stuff, the, the amount of money you could spend versus what we, like you've talked about, what we've got into this. Yeah. Because there are people that would pay thousands and thousands of dollars because they think that they they have to to have the capability to do what we're doing right now and even to record what we've recorded yeah i mean because i'm listening to what we did on episode five with toy song and the amount of time and the amount of bourbon that we we did it in well we were not only i mean we just didn't sit out to record that song Toy had, hadn't thought of that song for a long time. Never, no. Hadn't played it. So, you know, we were figuring the song out again, too. Yeah. You know, not it was, just... It was more of a fun challenge and, yeah. and, and uh, kind of like, a, hey, check this out. Here's And we got to remember, it originally started as we're going to do this live. So yeah. it was going to be completely different and, and organic. It ended up being super organic because we really didn't add on a bunch of stuff all his harmonies were layered he did those on one or two takes really i mean the only thing that took time was the piano and that was because he had to remember the song yeah and particularly on piano it it walks around a lot yeah that that's why i'm pretty excited to once you get the new setup being able to i'm going in there record this real quick and i you'll hear me go Shut the door and get on the other side. <laughs> it's gonna so, be you know, awesome. I thought that was uh, I thought that was pretty cool for Toy to put himself out there like that too. You oh, know, and it, sounds, and it sounds like and that kind of it's that's surprising to me. As you know, I don't I don't consider myself. You know, I'm not even close to the musicians you all are. But it surprised me because it sounds like you're willing to do that too. That you guys are willing to put yourself out there. You know, come in here. 
slap down a recording in 30 minutes, put it out for everybody to hear. Man. You know, I mean, you think about that. So we, we recorded that. We set up and, you know, we took down the podcast mics and we set up for to, to record in here. And like you said, you know, we ran through, we gave Toy some time to figure out the, uh, remember the piano parts and the, and the modulation that's in there and, and those things. Then we recorded the piano, recorded the vocals, recorded the guitar. He laid down three layers of, of background vocals and we played it. And that's what, in episode five, that's what that middle, that's it. That's what mm-hmm. we did. We played it just like it was it was recorded. I changed a few levels just to make sure it blended somewhat. Yeah. And then at the end, even at the end, I think at the end I said something like slightly mastered, but basically all I did was uh, put some slight compression on it and then a limiter to get it up to what I guess you would consider radio volume levels, and that was it. Yeah. It was not finagled in any way. You didn't... Just remember to put a little bit of reverb on uh, on the final one. Yeah. But, I mean, but not just a tad. But that's nothing. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that's such a simple... You're getting what... You're hearing what we recorded. You're, yeah. You're not yeah. hearing a bunch of effects. You're not hearing a bunch of other stuff. You're hearing basically what we recorded with set levels and a little bit of this and that and not much else. Which is cool because that's what I like in a recording. I like uh, so you like hearing the warts and the I like the human. I factor. like honesty in it. You yeah. know, I like I like there to be. I think you can. It translates, and mm-hmm. and yeah, you know, especially after hearing hearing the story, hearing him talk, and how much he poured into that song, you can hear it in the lyrics in a way that you know I've heard the song. But I'm one of the few people that have heard that song many a times because. I you know we used to play. Did you all play that song? Mm-mm. Okay. But I've heard it enough. Yeah. Uh, to remember it, I, I doubt anybody else would have said, "Hey, play that song you wrote." You remember? He, he didn't even remember. Yeah. Uh, but it stood out in my mind, and I probably knew what it was about. If I'd have thought about it, I'd have definitely known what it was about. But remembering where he was at, hearing the stories, it it makes so much more sense. The whole relation, our relationship makes more sense in, in the grand scheme of things because of the conversation and the song. And, and he was fighting for his his kid and time, and and I was thinking about music. We were completely different spots. Yeah. I mean, you think about what he put into that song. It's like, yeah, all that makes sense. You're sitting in an airport watching your kid ball as he gets on a, gets on a plane, and you're asking yourself, am I to blame? Yeah. Not a blame for this love. I mean, gosh, man, it, it does. It, you, I don't ever think of myself as putting myself out there when I write a song. I don't know why, because that's probably when I'm when I should feel like I am putting myself out there. But well, I was thinking more by by putting himself out there, being willing to come in here. Let us record him quickly mm-hmm. and putting it out there, warts and all. You yeah. know, uh, you know, if if. Uh, if the timing's off a little bit, oh well, here it is. If maybe I'm flat here, sharp there, oh well, here it is. Uh, if you know, it's uh, just just here it is. Here's what happened. We came in one night, we drank uh, some big house bourbon and had a hell of a time <laughs> laughing and having fun with each other and figuring this song out. We laid it down in one track and went back and fixed a few spots that you know we we thought would be good to fix, and then we laid it out there. Here it is. This is the way it came out. I think he answered it though. 
he probably did that because of us. He did that for us. He's a setup man. He does things to help other people, and he probably was satisfied with it because he did it for us as much as he did it to do it. And it turned out pretty good. I think it sounded yeah, good, man. Yeah, so yeah. to do that, to do it in the, the speed, I'm never satisfied with anything. So, you know, I would have, I, I could have been like, all right, let's redo this. Let's redo that. Let's retry this. You know me. So I'm going to have to stop you when we do it with you, huh? And say, yeah, it's hey, enough, Neil. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I was just like, man, just one more track, man, please. Yeah. But, yeah. you know, sometimes... Listen, listening to it, it got through the emotion that was conveyed in the conversation before the song. I think that that led perfectly into what we were, what the intent of the recording meant. Because I think when you have the conversation before you do the recording, it put him in a headspace. He was kind of back there when he was singing that song, especially by the end of it. You know, we joked. I joked to it, especially, uh, and you when you were mentioning. You know, you're starting to feel it there at the end, the emotion of that song. And, of course, because when you sing those lyrics over and over again, knowing the intent of the, of, of the song when he wrote it, and, yeah, man, I think he really puts you back in a spot when, when you write lyrics. I think that that any good song does that. I can remember hearing, if I hear Smells Like Teen Spirit, I'm going to think about the first time I heard that song being in, you know, eighth grade or whatever, and it inspired me to go, oh, music doesn't just have to sound like this. It can sound like this. So you asked me what was uh, my earliest memories of music. I don't remember this, but one of the things my family used to like to do to me when I was a baby, there were certain songs they would sing to me because it made me cry. <laughs> <laughs> so they would gather everybody around and say, watch this, and they would sing a song oh, until I cry. <laughs> I remember one of them was an Elvis song. Man, wonder, it might have been I if it Kentucky still Rain. Kentucky Rain, maybe, or I, I don't know. <laughs> I wonder if it still works, man. Get Andy up here singing his Elvis tunes until you cry again. So he'll be back from Florida in February. We'll have him on. So then after Toy's episode, we, uh, we kind of made some changes there, too. So with Toy, uh, and you made fun of me for talking about a time limit, but we broke it out into two <laughs> podcasts, and then with Roger... <laughs> With Roger, we decided to go on through, you know, and we went. That was our first podcast. It was over two hours, and, man, we didn't even scratch the surface. His music connections in Louisville run so deep. After listening to it, there was names in there of people I knew that I didn't catch until listening to it. And I was like, oh, man, I know who that is. Oh, I know who that is, too. Now, Oh, yeah. yeah. What a cool guy, man. What yeah, a good yeah, dude. Yeah, he is. Super nice, and... Um, like I said, he kind of he's one of those kick in the kick yourself in the right perspective type of guys. He he just gets it that you know you you talk about how encouraging he was to you that that you always try to be that person. You hope that you are that person. Then you meet somebody that really is that person, and, and it puts things in perspective. You know, uh, so to always be the cheerleader for people that are trying and and the encourager for other bands and I mentioned him being supportive he was probably the guy that helped me take some risk you know when I was first learning you know I got I had the support of my uncle I had mm -hmm. the support of my dad my my mom of course and you know how that always is they're telling you the truth you know they're, they're yeah. telling me hey uh, my my aunt Sharon you know Brad you're picking this up quickly you know you're, you're doing really well like, okay mm -hmm. yeah I'm your I'm your nephew and I'm your son <laughs> is the truth but you know then I'd go talk to Roger and Roger's like yeah man you're doing you're doing really well, you know, and kind of what gave me the confidence to take some risk. 
Well, when you uh, look up to somebody as a musician, which I think that you kind of did with him because he always seemed to be the guy that was just the guy, and they are the ones that are encouraging you, that is when, one, you start to believe it, and uh, two, it really motivates you to get even better. Roger sounds like my Matt Davidson. He was the best musician I knew. You know, like you said, you have the support of the people that have always loved you and been around you. And, and Matt loved me, and, and but I knew that he didn't sugarcoat anything. And I kind of appreciate that about him, is it's real real honest. Getting the kudos from Jeff and, and Daryl and Mom and Dad, that was great. But when I got the compliment from from Matt Davidson, it, it was like okay, I think I'm I'm think I'm on to something here, especially you know as a guitar player and picking things up, but even uh, as a singer, being able to hear things and him telling me that if I hit something and always was was willing to show me new things and, and always complimentary. I think that he was my Roger, that guy that that really made you believe in yourself. All right, so I been thinking about something that's a very tough question i'm going to ask you mm-hmm. see if uh see if you can even answer this okay if you had to name three favorite songs or i'll let you put any classification you want on it you don't have to use favorite maybe it's songs that make you feel something maybe it's songs you remember best what would they be i think uh I, I really have kind of thought about this a little bit because you mentioned kind of the challenge, yeah. and I didn't really like it at first. I got to be honest. I was like, "How in the world? How do you do that? How do you even expect me to to, to think about that?" But there's one song that I feel like I can say with, with pretty good certainty. I always love to hear it come on the radio or lo- or, or seek it out. All right, what's I, that one? Go ahead, you're first. Well, <laughs> I think mine would be different. I don't know if it even is going to be favorite songs. I think it's probably going to be most important songs for me in more like as a, as a musician. And probably the most important now that I think about it is the very first song that I ever learned how to play from Chris Rogers when I went into Dixie Music. I loved Pearl Jam and Jeremy was one of the biggest songs for me as a somebody that had always heard country music and pop music and I was a big Michael Jackson fan and all of a sudden I heard Nirvana and Pearl Jam and it changed my thoughts on music and that was right at the time that I got interested in guitar and I was more of a Pearl Jam fan but the very first song I ever learned how to play on guitar that was a modern guitar with a little bit of an intro and all that was Stone Temple Pilots Plush once I learned that intro, I was like, oh, I'm a rock star. I'm going <laughs> to learn everything I can because now I know how to play that. Check this out, everybody I know. So, you know, that was the song for the next five years <laughs> that, that you would lead off with. So that was an important one for that reason. Two, probably The Stone by Dave Matthews. I don't know a lot of people that play it or can play it. When I figured out how to play it, I felt like, okay, because I can play it and sing that song, and it's not easy, and it's still a challenge. That was one of those ones that 
you know, you break the song down note by note. You figure it out, what Toy talked about, rewind, play, rewind, play, 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 rewind, play, start to finish. Once I figured that out, anytime I break that one out, even to this day, I think people are like, what? <laughs> you know, a decent guitar player is like, I, wow, that's pretty cool. And what I really think about now is, as cool as that is to play, how do you write a song like that? How yeah. do you write a song that looks like that, that sounds like that, that moves like that, having to play offbeat and sing a different melody line while playing something completely different? It, that's what that song is built on that. And it's just a weird setup song, but it's all Dave Matthews songs are like that. Do you just have to work up the memory where you play without really thinking about it? Or is it more like uh, learning how to play the drums and just getting different parts of your body to work differently? Well, fortunately for me, I play the, I play the guitar like a drum, if that makes any sense. I'm more of a rhythm guitar player, just like Roger. I, I, I cut my teeth also on, on being a rhythm guitar player, but I play it like a drum. I beat, I beat the crap out of a guitar I'm a string breaker I just if you come and watch me play by myself it sounds like there's a lot going on up there and that's partially because I play it like that I, I, my strum patterns are sometimes they're identical sometimes they're different especially if I'm playing you know like a Bill Withers tune that has that Motown type of backbeat to it I can tend to figure that out with with palm strikes or something like that that, that kind of gives it a different feel so i always feel, feel like i play a guitar like a drum i guess you have to be able to do that somewhat as a one-man show you don't have to i see a lot of guys get away with just the just kind of thin guitar line behind and that's okay because a lot of people are especially solo acts are better singers than i am so they can kind of do that and get away with it where i need to I need to fill up the space a little bit, entertain you a little bit more, uh, cause a little bit more background noise and create some chaos to take away from all my flaws <laughs> everywhere else. And, and I think that part of that is what I grew up listening to, that, you know, the sublime acoustic, you know, Bradley Noel acoustic stuff that he does a lot of the reggae beats on and the Dave Matthews and Tim Riddle stuff where they fill up a lot of space. And I just think that it was kind of natural for me to, to play a guitar like that. So do you have a song that's not anything you ever play and not normally a genre that you listen to that you really like? Um, yeah, there is a song, probably one of the my favorite, favorite, favorite things in the world to hear is an old Lonnie Mack tune called uh, Falling Back in Love with You and have Jeff, Jeff Donahue sing that song. He's got the best voice of anybody I know. And I'm not talking about the best range. I'm not talking about... I'm just talking about you hear this voice that has this soul and this... Everything about it's just warm. It reminds me of warmth. It reminds me of being at home. It reminds me of a bonfire. It reminds me of my childhood. He he sings it better than Lonnie Mack ever could imagine. It's different than Lonnie Mack's version. But it is the best thing, probably the most important song of my musical career. Because that was probably the one that hooked me into wanting to be able to do that type of stuff and to sing like that and to do those things, yeah. It's got a lot of the Marcus King feel, man, that blues jazz, maybe even more so the way that Jeff does it. And 
probably the reason that I, I like Marcus King as much as I like Marcus King, other than the fact that he's amazing, is because it reminds me of, of Jeff, uh, who's been, who was a big influence in my life. So Jeff, Jeff has several songs that he does really well. <sighs> yes. Has he recorded any of those? His family is so musically inclined, and, and he has so many musicians in the family. Well, his brother is an engineer. He, he was an engineer at DSL Studios, where I recorded before. I didn't even record with him. I don't know if he was there before. Donnie, his, uh, his brother Donnie. Phenomenal player, but great engineer. And Jeff went there and recorded a, a Christmas CD years ago, maybe 10 years ago. Is that right? Do you have it? I don't have it. You know who does have it and plays it every year? WFPK. Oh, really? Every year. Because it's the best CD they play. I mean, it's phenomenal. It's mostly just him and an acoustic guitar. Every now and again, his, his brother uh, or Donnie put a, uh, would put a bass track or a keyboard track on it. But, dude, it's the smoothest sounding thing you've ever heard. It's awesome. Yeah, if you go to Mom and Dad's house during Christmas and it's the Christmas night, it's on. I need to hear that. It's amazing. I don't think I've heard that. Well, you know what we're playing next December for our one-year anniversary <laughs> leading into go. the Christmas episodes. There we go. <laughs> Any others? You said three, man. Yeah, so, yeah. I knew. I, tell you, I knew I Dave tell you, Matthews would make it in there. I, you, I could, I could see that, you've been influenced by Dave Matthews' band that was quite a, heavily. That was actually a solo. I, you know, I had, the funny part is I haven't listened to Dave Matthews' band in probably fifteen years. Really? Mm-mm, no, since. Uh, like Gray Street or whatever that I don't even remember. It's been a long time since I listened to any of their stuff. And I went to a bunch, probably five or six or seven or eight of their concerts back in the day. And the last one I went to, I was like, I've seen it all, man. I don't, I don't need to do this again. And I haven't. I don't know whether I would enjoy a, a Dave Matthews band concert because I don't know what it is. I love listening to three or four Dave Matthews band songs and then I'm done. Yeah, I would like. I wouldn't mind a, con- a DMB concert if everything wasn't eighteen minutes. I'm not huge on the jam band eighteen minute thing. I'm cool with you know six minute songs. Do a little solo, hang out, but <clears throat> I think it can be excessive, and it's uh, probably why I wasn't ever really a deadhead or any of that stuff. I like music, but. It's almost hard for me to finish a three-and-a-half-minute song without skipping at the end. Yeah. You get about three minutes, 15 seconds in, going, next. <laughs> so <laughs> what, what about you? What's your, what's your favorite? Do you have any favorite individual three? I thought this would be interesting to talk about because, you know, if people think about this, this is hard to do. <laughs> can't really say favorite. I mean, that's, that's See, that's why it's hard to do because you can't say favorite. you got to, like categorize it in some different now there's a song that always makes me feel some kind of way like i just feel when i hear this song uh-huh. and that's van morrison into the mystic oh man that's a when i hear that song i just just feel good that's yeah, a good i love singing that song yeah we could we, so we, you do that song we, the band and i do that song and is that right one, it's one of our favorites oh that's a great Dude, song it's a uh, great lyrics we actually in that song going into do you know uh Zach Brown band free. After we have finished Mystic on that last D, we just let it hang out, and then we go. And we don't need a lot of money. And we start. We have the four part harmony, and we build it, 
build it, build it. All we need is love. And then we go into that chorus and then we start yeah. free. So, I mean, I could sit and listen to Van Morrison for a long time Good anyway, stuff. but Into the Mystics, like, that's one of those songs that just, you know, make me feel some certain way that every time. That's it's, a it good never one, gets old, you yeah. know. Yeah. I uh, love, to, love to listen to that song when I'm on the water anywhere, you know, oh, lake, man. on a river, on a boat. I mean, that's just, uh, I don't know, that's a, that's a great song. Mm-hmm. So I was thinking the other day, and this is, you know, there's a couple of them, like, people want to say, what the hell, this guy, you know, he's, but <laughs> one that just intrigues me, you ever heard of Clarence Bradley? I don't know. So he does a song called Changes. Ch-ch-changes. No, no. <laughs> He does a song called Changes. I think it's Changes. It's one of the most interesting remakes you'll ever hear. He he sing, he just sings this song, and you can't help but feel what this guy is singing. You'll never believe who did the original. Fleetwood Mac. It's a slow song, uh, you know, a close-up video, tears running down his face type thing. And it's a remake of a Black Sabbath song. Look it up. <laughs> well, I'm trying. <laughs> what came up? Nothing. Okay, so I must have the wrong last name. Changes. Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley. Charles Bradley. Bradley. Yes, yeah, so I wish we could play that for the listeners. That's killer. So if it wasn't Clarence, Charles, Charles Bradley changes. Go listen to Charles Bradley changes and then go back and listen to Black Sabbath changes. One of the best remakes ever. Yeah, for sure. Most intriguing remakes ever. I mean, how can this guy, Charles Bradley, first of all, what was he doing listening to 70s Black Sabbath? (laughs) (laughs) And then the second thing. How did he come up with that remake? I don't know that he changed the, much of it other than slowed it down and did it, it with emotion. Oh, yeah. Because that is it for sure. Oh, you can feel and it. And I haven't even heard the second verse. Oh, and it gets, uh, yeah, he, it gets, he gets better. He gets into it more and more. And, you know, by, by the end, you're almost crying with him. <laughs> so that's two. So what I say, into the mystic Van Morrison. Charles Bradley changes. All right, so, so I was right, trying that, to think of songs. I got I got the third one for you. Okay, that of mine. Yes. Okay. <laughs> uh, we'll we'll go those two. And what was the first guitar song you learned how to play? Uh, collective soul. Shine. No. Oh. Is it December? December. It sounds like it sounds familiar. <sighs> collective soul December. I think that's what it was. That's an important song. Yeah. Regardless of if you you understand that, that whatever your first song you actually learn how to play through. That's the first one that I remember that I had to do a little bit of picking. It had some arpeggios and things uh-huh. in it. I mean, the first ones I learned, you know, I learned like Bob Seger songs, John Cougar songs. So when when you were learning to play guitar and learning those songs, were you, did you know the words to them? And were you singing and playing? I'm horrible or, with lyrics. But so, yeah, I did learn. I started singing and playing from the beginning. I'm glad I did. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would have been able to do that if you didn't do it that way. You know, I found out that I, I, that's just something that kind of comes naturally for me. You know, as I got into playing music, I bought a drum set, and I could pretty much just sit down and start playing the drums. And I found out it's not like that with most people. No. You know, things don't work. 
I, I could use my right foot and my left hand independently and my right, you know, I, I just was able to do that. I and still have trouble with that. So I don't know if that kind of contributed to being able to play and sing, but I do remember struggling with playing and singing. And that's something my daughter's trying to learn now. She just picked up the guitar. and. How long has she been playing? So she is 25, so she started playing at 24. I mean, it's been, oh, it's been in the last recent. year. Yeah. Okay. Maybe 23. I don't, golly, I don't know. I'm terrible with time. Yeah, I can tell. Yeah. <laughs> no more than 23. So that's good. So I had Into the Mystic. Mm-hmm. I, I just, I'm just ready to hear that song anytime. It never grows old. Changes is just a song that's just, it was the first time I heard it, it just intrigued me that that was a remake of a Black Sabbath song, and this guy just, you know, sings that with emotion like no other. Mm-hmm. And then the third song I said, a song that I can't help but bop my head every time I hear it is... Hypnotized. I was going to say Hypnotized too, man. I was going to be my other one. That is hilarious. Are you serious? I can't, that song just does something to me. Yeah. I just can't. We've I had got, a cosmic connection as well because I've heard that song all night in my head. I swear to you, I'm not kidding. That is, is that, weird. Is that right? Yes. I was going to say something biggie. I kept thinking biggie, biggie, I was ready biggie, for biggie. you to make fun of me. No, are you kidding me? But you can't make fun of Biggie Smalls. Holy crap, it doesn't matter which one you say. Anybody that can sit and listen to Hypnotize uh, without moving their head. Get out of my life. It's not a life. You're not, you can't yeah. be in my life. Yeah, that song is. Biggie, 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 can't you see? <laughs> no, I would never make fun of you for so, that. So I was prepared to be made fun of. That's okay. No, you got it. That's, that's, that's a great three. That's a great three. I got to admit, that is a solid three. Well, I got to admit, too, I've, I've been thinking about that for three or four days. You know, it's. And and favorite was a bad word. You can't really say favorite song because there's so many factors. So hard, man. Yeah, so many so factors. Hard. I don't know if I can name my favorite three genres of music. I, you guys are narrowed down to songs. You know like, your brother, and, and he's the one that introduced me to bluegrass uh-huh. with uh, Old Crow Medicine Show. I was going to say was, Old Crow yeah. Medicine Show, probably. Yeah, yeah, he introduced me to Old Crow, and, and you know, uh, Cindy and I went and saw him at Louisville Palace, and man, that's my that's favorite place. That's a show, place. ain't it? Oh, the that's palace. my favorite place to see see a band. Man, I've and seen was, some amazing shows there. That's that's where I saw my favorite and best show, which is Prince. He was yeah. at the palace. Oh yeah, when yeah. it wasn't too long before he died. I never un- uh, realized. I mean, I knew he if was good, say how but good I never realized player. how good of a guitarist he was. He's the best guitar player of our lifetime. Is that right? I really believe that. Yeah. I mean, he was shredding. Everything he would just go. Everything you ever heard him on a record of his is his. He laid that down. All those solos, that's all him. Oh, yeah. Do yourself a favor, and everybody listen and do yourself a favor and look up Prince, My Guitar Gently Weeps. He did a, a show, and it was with like Tom Petty and all these other guitar players. I've seen that, yeah. That's jaw dropping. I mean, throwing the guitar after a solo into the to the guys like I, it was the baddest. Every other guitar player who's up there just was like, "Are you kidding me?" Prince liked to play small venues. Yes. So when he came to Louisville, he did four straight shows at at Louisville Palace, and we got tickets to the first show. Cindy was waiting. She knew when they were going to be released, and she she got right in online and, and got tickets. You know, we were like. 15th row oh, up front. It, it was unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Oh. So he kind of, he came on, you know, I can't remember the exact words. I can't remember if it was number one hits or, or hits or what, but, you know, he came on and said, 
how you doing? You ready to hear nine number one hits? And just went into every big hit he had, one after the other, extended. Uh, and it, it was uh, it, it was unbelievable. Nobody in the place sat down the whole night, and it was just raucous. I mean, it was it was crazy. Isn't that awesome. Such an entertainer. I mean, he just just blew everybody away in there. I could only um, imagine how amazing that was. Yeah. I've seen some good concerts there, but I could not imagine seeing Prince at the Palace. It was awesome. Holy yeah. crap. But hands down, the best concert I've Has ever been to. Has to be. Yeah, yeah I could yeah. not imagine any concert being better than that, I especially saw, 15 roads deep. I saw Old Crow at, at the Palace, too. That was really good. They, uh, you know, those guys, I mean, the way they just hop around and change instruments. <laughs> yeah, when they were just here uh, the 28th of December. And they did a show at Air Quamp Theater, too. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Which now I your didn't brother see was that. disappointed in that show because it was a Bob Dylan night. They did all Bob Dylan. Uh, it was good. Oh man, I'm sure it was. So that was my three. I pulled out for that. Into the Mystic, Van Morrison, Charles Bradley changes, right. and Hypnotize, Notorious B.I.G. All right. So uh, you've already named one best three concerts you've ever been to. Oh wow. So so Prince number one. So in the eighties. Hank Williams Jr. Hank Williams Jr. So, Southern Rock, not a country concert. Was it at the Louisville Motor rock. Speedway? I saw him. I, I saw him several <laughs> times. No, I saw him in Lexington at, at Rupp, and I saw him uh, at the fairgrounds. They they were both really good. I tell you, a concert I really enjoyed was ACDC. Oh my gosh, where at? I think that was at the fairgrounds too. It was for those about the rock tour. Oh. I bet that was amazing. Yeah, so I, I couldn't hear it for three days after that concert. It was so loud. And then, <laughs> but the other thing, we made it to the front of the stage, and you know, and they closed with those about the rock. And you know, I, I learned why this area of the stage was open. It was right in front of the cannons. Oh, really? <laughs> so I couldn't hear it for three days. I, I thought I really hurt myself badly. <laughs> so that, those those are three good ones. Uh, Alabama you know, Shakes, Iroquois Amphitheater. That was I awesome. Was, I bet that was amazing. And I'll tell you who else, Buddy Guy. Just saw Buddy Guy. He's like 89 or something crazy, 85. Uh -huh. I don't know. Uh, and he's still. Still got it? Yeah. He played with John Mayer uh, about 10 years ago. They did a record together or a uh, live DVD together. Who was he with at Iroquois Amphitheater? Johnny Lang? No, but a big-time blues guitarist. Kenny Wayne Shepherd. That's it, Kenny Wayne Shepherd. Kenny Wayne Shepherd, yeah. That's right. He was awesome, too. Yeah, yeah. I've seen him live before. Yeah. He was amazing. Yeah. I saw a Kenny Wayne Shepherd band with uh, Blues Traveler, I think, at the Palace. That was a pretty decent show. I figured Kenny Wayne Shepherd was really the show, and Buddy Gavin's going to come on there and uh -huh. maybe mumble some words or something. He killed it. I tell you what, that that reminds me of this, the, by far the best. Uh, I went to the Foo Fighters at, at Bourbon and Beyond this this last summer. By far, the most entertaining and best show. I was there the next night for Robert Plant. How was that? It was good. Yeah, and you know that night. You know, speaking of bluegrass, they they played a lot of bluegrass type music. Oh, really? Did yeah. they? Did he did the Allison Krauss stuff? Was she with him? Allison Krauss performed earlier, but no, she didn't, she didn't come out and perform with him at all. Not that I remember. No, what? she was much earlier in the night. You know my memory. I could have forgotten. <laughs> But I don't, well, I don't think I would have My memory that. is so bad right now, I can't think of the lead singer of Creedence Clearwater. 
Is it Fogarty? Yeah. <laughs> That's who I was saying stole the show, man. Okay. He was by far the best act of, of uh, Bourbon and Beyond. He killed it. He, he, he performed right before Foo Fighters. Absolutely stole the show. Do you like those big field festivals? Sometimes. I'm not that... Guy, most of the time, I'm not the guy that likes to hang out at the field festival. Just so many people. At those. Too many people. Yeah. Um, I think there's a way to do it right. For something like that, though, man, it was Foo Fighters. It was a bucket list. I've been to other field things that were crazy and, and good and amazing and terrible. It's completely 50-50. That is not the way I like to see most music. But the Foo Fighters was, it didn't matter where it was. It, it's kind of like... Pearl Jam just released their next little tour dates. They're releasing an album called Megatron or Megaton coming up here in the next month or so, and they just released their dates for their tour. And they're coming to Nashville. They're going to St. Louis. They're going to Denver. They're going, I will go find a spot to see them because they're, who knows when they're going to be out on tour again. And I'd never seen Foo Fighters before. They were always one that I wanted to see. Even they've been at Wrigley. We thought about going to do that. It just too expensive at the time. So that was one we just couldn't miss. Once they were announced, the second they were announced, uh, we bought tickets and paid extra for the tickets. I mean, we could have had the whole weekend for $100 by the time it was here. So we know not to make that mistake again. But they oversell it. They they go crazy. They see the, the means to make a, a quick buck, and they do it. I just thought of another Iroquois Amphitheater show. I check their calendar out quite a bit because, you know, you can catch some pretty good acts there. Mm-hmm. Another fun show. It was a good time, and he just came out, Here, who, here's who I am. I'm not going to try to be anybody different. I'm going back to the 80s, baby. Who was it? was Billy Idol. Oh, yeah? yeah. He was... I bet that was awesome. Just a year, you know, a few years ago. Did yeah. he have cut off sleeves? Oh, he still has the bleach blonde hair sticking straight up, and he had him some it's abs airbrushed nice on day his full. stomach. Airbrushed? <laughs> and he had the. I can uh, do that. I can get airbrushed. He was Billy Idol. That's he what he made, got. You know, oh, what? Yeah. that's why you bought a ticket, though, right? Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. So that, that was fun. All right. So we've reached out to a couple people, and a couple people have reached out to us about doing these next uh, set of podcasts. We got. V lined up, uh, well, maybe not necessarily actually a date on that, but V's, V's agreed to come do it. We've got Jeremy Scharf said he would come do a podcast, and yeah. actually, you know, we get to do something exciting. Well, you and I'm going to be here because I get to help in all your uh, Top Hill Recording Studio stuff is record a demo for him. Yeah, yeah. That's going to be fun. Yeah, that will be fun. That'll be fun, man. We'll get us to do all kinds of setup on that and do different stuff and kind of figure out what sounds good, especially in that room. We also have Johnny Hurrigan with the Trendells coming up. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we're going to have my, my uncle, Andy Weston. Andy, who comes back uh, shortly. Yeah, and we, we've talked. Uh, we need to get uh, Jeff and Daryl up here. Maybe we do that together. Jeff and Daryl would be a great one together. And then uh, Spencer and, and, and Brent. Talk to Brent he, about a little bit of songwriting stuff. Have you talked to, did you talk to Brooks Ritter? Brooks is ready, man. Okay. Whenever, whenever we want. Brooks just finished an album, too, so it'd probably be pretty cool to get him in here and yeah. talk about that process because he literally just got done cutting the record. Speaking of music, we cut off the intro song and didn't even talk about it, did we? I don't think we talked about it at all, did we? Yeah, so we opened up with your uh, your second favorite Sooner or Later song. I don't know, man. Podcast. It might be my first favorite. I don't oh, know. Yeah. I don't know, man. Jake Bickle. I don't know which one's my favorite. 
That was Jake Bickle. That I, knew was what, I know the numbers of both of them, and you don't. That, that tells you how much I like them. <laughs> that was inspired by my father-in-law. Great story. Tell me about the legend of Jake Bickle. Have we talked about it? I know we, we talked about looking it up. As far as I know, he's fictitious. My, my father-in-law, who's not with us anymore, he was a great storyteller, and they would often start with, we were drunker than Jake Bickle, or we were drunker than old Jake Bickle. And then he would go into some story about his youth days. <laughs> and uh, I just decided to write a song about that. So, you know, maybe we'll go out with a little bit of that song, too. All right, Neil. So we got episode seven uh, in the bag and talked a little bit about how uh, the podcast is developing. And I just want to uh, let all our listeners know how much we appreciate them. It's been uh, very humbling and very surprising how. People have enjoyed this show, so we're going to have to stick to that New Year's resolution that we have to do this for 52 weeks this I, year. I honestly don't think it'll be hard, man. I don't, I, I don't either. I think the hardest part is going to be to, you're going to have to stop me from coming down here on like some random days and go, hey, man, can we do a podcast or something? Can we do something? We'll hang out. <laughs> so next podcast, Ron, hopefully we'll have our new uh, interface, the uh, PreSona Studio 192. If it's not here tomorrow, man, I'm complaining to yeah. Amazon having them send it to the yeah, postal we're service. Gonna, we're going to shut Amazon down. Shut them down, man. <laughs> them and Google. We're coming after you. All right, Neil, man. It's been great. <laughs> Always, buddy. We'll see you soon. Yes, Here's sir. Jake Bickle. Feet was at 12 I feel so good I'm in pain This is heaven Man, this is hell